What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Epic Again podcast. Hopefully that new intro uh, worked for everybody. It seemed to work on our end, so that's exciting. Uh, this is our first attempt at a live podcast, so I'm sure we'll have some glitches and excitement along the way. But I am joined by none other than Mr. Video Game Fury himself, Tim here. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Hello out there, audience and lovely viewers, and you as well, Gary. We're back. We are back. It's been a while. It has, but that comes with uh, the lovely things that we have called life and family things and house things, you know, all that stuff that gets in the way of our nerddom, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you, people out there watching, when they throw lots of money at us, we can do this more often and, and stop with all the other stupid life stuff that is, is more boring. I mean, I don't mind the green screen if you guys are tired of looking at my cat bed behind me. So, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to send your way. Exactly. But uh, so <clears throat> a little behind on some of the topics here on the show today, but it's never too late to talk about things that are coming up that are going to be exciting to us. So we're going to cover a bunch of E3 stuff that we like, some stuff we didn't like. Um, but we're going to start off in the, uh, the world of streaming um, and talk a little bit of Netflix, which is kind of becoming the go-to place for all things video game that are in the entertainment industry. They've got uh, quite a list of shows coming out here. Have you had a chance to kind of look over and uh, see some of the shows they have coming out? I did, yeah, and you I mean you're you're definitely right. I mean, especially in the last, God, I want to say last couple of years, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of an investments in that video game adaptation to uh, a TV mm -hmm. show or streaming show, if you will. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting to see where that's been going lately. Yeah, and it's kind of defied the normal logic of video game movies have to be campy that we've seen a lot in the past and they've been really well like witcher season one was just an epic fantasy tv show and even the castlevania stuff has been really well done on there yeah i mean i i kind of look at it this way it's, if you mean there's been attempts like this in the past like we obviously think about like the, the really bad and sometimes they're really campy like obviously the mm -hmm. best you could say it was a really good adaptation was maybe the first mortal Kombat movie Mm -hmm. uh, but that's because the premise was cheesy on its own anyway, like the yeah. fate of the world being decided in a fighting tournament across yeah. dimensions. So you, you roll with that, turn it into a movie. Yeah, people are going to, you know, people are going to at least line up and see that. And it was yeah. for what it was at the time, it was pretty successful. But then, of course, you have the Super Mario Brothers movie, which the less said about that, the better. <laughs> um, but I also think it's yep. interesting, too, because you think about where we are now, I mean, they a lot of I think a lot of people back then like games have been popular for a while. I mean it's definitely at its apex now, but even then, yeah. like the hotness of Nintendo and Sega at the time in the nineties, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where really the video game industry really started to get its footing. And I think I always feel like Hollywood was a little too quick mm -hmm. to adapt at the time, just looking at a cash cow and thinking, I want a piece of that, I could turn yeah. that into a movie or a show. And the problem at the time was as much as though games were really good, like you had your Mario's and Sonic's and everything there, I would argue that they weren't really that ripe for storytelling <laughs> across a different medium. Like just because of the fact that the technology wasn't really there mm -hmm. to really do that. I mean, of course you had your stuff like your Zeldas and your Final Fantasies and anything Square did. Uh, that yeah, took that one more to give you Ex some exactly. to build on. Exactly, which kind of made me wonder why people didn't look to those games more than yeah. anything else. But I understand they weren't at the 
popularity level of Mario and Sonic at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think at the time there, they were trying to pull something out there when storytelling really wasn't at its apex then. Yeah. Now you fast forward to where we are now, and you can do that with the technology and with the kind of production values that would rival a movie TV show, that you could turn something that into a movie TV show. You just mentioned Castlevania. Mm-hmm. That is like one of my not just favorite video game adaptations, one of my favorite animated shows in like the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, they did really fantastic job. Still have to see the season four uh, mm-hmm. to wrap it up. But I mean, the first season, the first three were just amazing. So I feel like there's been an involvement and Hollywood's had to learn a little bit of lessons yeah. over time, which is why you're now seeing, as you pointed out, those, those, all those new shows that are starting to come to play because now we can actually tell the stories we want to tell. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because I mean, most of this list, it makes a lot of sense of kind of like the confirmed ones you had. Resident Evil has two of them, which we've already seen work in movies. One's more of an anime, the other one's going to be a live action. Witcher season two, of course. Angry Birds um, makes sense because they already had the movie franchise to build off of. Um, They have a Far Cry one coming out, a Splinter Cell. Like all those make sense to me. The biggest one that was kind of kind of like, tilted my head at is a cuphead show yeah well, i mean that one's been known for a couple of years i think ever since mm-hmm. the game first came out but i mean if you look at the game i don't, I don't know have you played cuphead i've played parts of it i haven't gotten to the whole thing yeah i mean i beat it after banging my head many times at a lot of those boss levels it's <laughs> a notoriously hard game as yeah. i'm sure a lot of people are aware of that there but i mean the aesthetic behind it i mean it's it's an homage to old disney cartoons so it only made when they announced that that was becoming a Netflix show. It just it felt like a no-brainer to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see how they handle that one because that one has, I think, the most potential to go into that kind of corny, campy realm. Right. Out of all of them. Um, but that one was the only one I kind of like, hmm, I'm not fully sure how this is going to go, but it'll be interesting. They're also bringing Sonic back to the animated world because that had a successful run back in the 90s. And even the newest Sonic movie was, was pretty decent. Which I have not seen, but yeah, everyone's telling me it's like actually pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty good homage to the yeah, franchise. It stays pretty kind of faithful to, to what the game was, but is lighthearted enough to make it work in kind of the real world. It, it's interesting. It's definitely worth it. Kind of like Poke. Have you seen the Detective Pikachu movie? I'm afraid to say I haven't seen that either. Okay. Because they both kind of follow that same vein of kind of taking this kind of more obscure premise of like, odd creatures living in the real world and mixing it really well with making it feel like it belongs in the the real world around you mm-hmm. but um any on the list that have you super excited that they have coming up um i mean witcher season two of course although i would say they've they're really basing that more on the books mm-hmm. rather than the games i mean i think it you know the video games obviously made the books more popular when yeah. they came out there. So I in a way yeah, the video game effect is what's leading to this here, but they're they're saying this this is more based on the actual books than anything else. But I'm still excited for her. The first season yeah. was, was fantastic. Um of course Castlevania season four, mm-hmm. uh, that spin-off series that yeah. is interesting, kind of not surprised because that's the whole premise of Castlevania is that you know the Belmonts and Dracula are fighting throughout the ages. Yep. So that's that's pretty cool to see them take on that. Um the Splinter Cell one is more intriguing to me and more um, kind of like I, I kind of more want to watch it to kind of sit sit in the back and eat popcorn while I read the comments mm-hmm. of people who comment on that because the, the fans of that franchise have been aching for 
a Splinter Cell game for years. Like we haven't had a game in the Splinter Cell franchise yeah. since the 360. So it's skipped yeah. an entire generation if you think about it. And they keep Ubisoft keeps teasing it in other ways, like in mobile games. There's supposedly mm -hmm. this hero shooter they're going to be doing, like Overwatch. Yeah, uh, that's revealed tomorrow. They just made an announcement. They're going to reveal that tomorrow. He's in there, but it's not a Splinter Cell game. It's like an Ubisoft shared world shooter. Yeah, um, it's just funny to see it because he's getting every every other kind of exposure, animation, it's, and otherwise except his them. own game. Exactly, <laughs> and the fans are just like. Like tearing their hair out, and I'm just like, I would love the new Splinter Cell game here, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like, not a big rush. I'm just enjoying the the the, the fire that's been put in the, the fans' belly. But I mean, I'd be I'd be curious to see if they, I'd be curious what they see if they do with that too. Uh, you know, animated stealth um, espionage show. I don't can't really think of any recent animated shows that really have done that. I yeah, wonder if it, I wonder if they'll get the same guy, Michael Ironside, to do it. But although they may, it looks like it may cast him younger, so maybe not. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be in the interest part because I can't really think of any shows, at least on the Western side. I'm sure there's some animes and stuff that are more along that premise, but it's a different approach to it because you don't usually that kind of thing goes more of like the James Bond Mission Impossible live action way, I'd say, than animated mm -hmm. usually. So that'll be interesting. I'm also curious to see how the Assassin's Creed TV series they've been teasing comes out. Because the movie, it tried, but it never quite found its footing for me. Same. So I'm kind of curious to see. I I can see it working better as a TV series because there's so much, so many moving parts to it between both like the current and the past and jumping back and forth and everything that it makes more sense to me to give it more room to breathe where you could almost go like every other episode is historical location versus real world impact of that kind of thing and kind of make it work that way so you're not trying to shove it all into two hours and kind of expand on both sides of the universe but i'm curious to see how that goes i'm also kind of curious to see um the reception to like the cyberpunk series yeah the mixed bag that cyberpunk has become between everybody that plays it loves it but it's also that kind of we kind of feel like we got screwed over in the process of loving this well, I mean, I feel like Cyberpunk will maybe get a little bit of pass just because of the studio behind it. I forget the mm -hmm. name of it, but they're supposed to be a really well-renowned Japanese anime studio. Yeah. They might get a pass just in the fact that they would probably love to see their take on just Cyberpunk in general. I mean, putting the mm -hmm. game aside as it is, I mean, I still claim it's a good game. The, the, the uproar is more on the bugs. Yeah, the I, I because it's a well-put-together game. It's just yeah. kind of more of the the problems that have come with it. Yeah. I mean, that stigma is not going to go away for a while. And CD Projekt yeah. Red has got a lot of goodwill they need to make over the years here. But even beyond that, hopefully people can recognize that it's the studio that's doing this has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And then probably the only other rumor that's kind of a, a, an oddball that I didn't expect to see is the rumor of a Beyond Good and Evil live action film. <laughs> can, they, can, they, can they focus on getting the game out first? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean that that to me was just kind of like a huh this seems like kind of the oddball on this list that they're already promising a, a film based off of this I'm fascinated by that because I mean it, it's it has this cult following from the yeah. first game from like 15 plus years ago but even like I mean I, I've never really seen the appeal like what it brings to the table and why there's such a big thing about the sequel and now this, now this live action show yeah so Am I, am I missing something? Is there something I'm missing? I mean, I found it. I mean, I it, I get like the humorous kind of fun of the original. Like I get kind of the campy feel of it all and, and people's love of it. 
but it was never one that I was like, I want more of this. It was kind of just one of those, this was kind of like a fun old school game. Right. Awesome, let me move on. Which is interesting because it looks from the, least from the trailers that they showed of that sequel, it seems to be going darker. Yeah. So that's funny how they're kind of 180 that. But anyway, that's yeah. that's the game here. The series the series is just weird in the fact that it's actually something being developed for something yeah. that's a cult, cult franchise. Yeah, and the, they have Final Fantasy as a potential live-action TV series on Netflix. That one's interesting to me because of how the Final Fantasy universe works. Are they going to place themselves in one of the games and expand on that? Or are they going to go kind of like the the movie route where they tried to create like this other universe for Final Fantasy and kind of follow the route of the games where it's its own contained piece and it didn't quite go so well? Probably the latter, I would say. Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's sticky because of the fact that every Final Fantasy game is different. Yeah. And what do you do? Do you make each season a game if you were to take the or ones that already exist? you just like, place yourself in like one season and just say, okay, we're going to do more Adventures of Cloud or something right. as the main character and go with it and just pick one of the popular ones. Because I kind of feel like they're almost going to have to find a way to bring some of those in. Because I could see a pretty big, I can see people wanting to see like Tifa and, and Cloud and stuff in a TV series. I feel like that's probably the smarter way to go because of the fact that Final Fantasy VII Remake came out last year mm-hmm. and then they're working on those sequels as we speak. That, yeah. That's going to, and it's being that it's, it's the more popular of the Final Fantasy series. I still maintain that six is one of the best ones, but. I know I get why Seven's got that appeal. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's if they're going to really get that audience, they probably that would never make most sense. Do it with characters that people are familiar with. Yeah. And then they could say, hey, we're going to now do a spinoff of like Final Fantasy Origins, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. <laughs> we'll talk more about Final Fantasy Origins and things like that, though, later. <laughs> One of my unhappy E3 moments. Oh boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about that one. So, so we'll get into that, but sticking with the Netflix, the other interesting thing besides them kind of becoming the go-to place for TV shows and things and movies based around video games is they are dipping their foot into the video game industry itself. Um, And I didn't link this article in there, but it just got announced a few days ago that they've hired um, Mike Verdu, who was in charge of the streaming things for Facebook gaming and EA gaming for a while. And his last job was the vice president for the Facebook reality labs overseeing all the Oculus VR headset stuff. And they just brought him on to be their like president of game development. I believe his title was, Hmm. So they're taking a serious step in that direction of the idea of, um, adding more games and, and IPs to that kind of thing. I guess the question now, I mean, you said it just got announced recently. Yeah, he got hired on the 15th, I believe. So just like three days ago. So three days ago. Yeah. I, yeah, it's very hard to say. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like just hearing that now, I mean, you think about where he came from, from Facebook or EA, the first thing that comes to my mind, well, are they really going to, are they going to really focus on the games a lot so much, or are they going to focus on the monetization Mm -hmm. of these games? So, to that extent, it seems like most people's opinion has been they're going to kind of go the Apple Arcade route. Okay. And kind of just bundle in some of their own IPs. Like try to get like The Witcher and things like that to put some stuff on there. But then also let Indie House is kind of just put in 
games that you could kind of play on the go with your Netflix account and kind of go that game pass, play it on any device kind of route with it. I mean, the, the challenge I'm coming to with this is that let's say they do the applicator approach. I mean, that's, that need, they need, they need a lot of content. Yeah. To first off, to build that off there. Do they really have enough IP to justify that? I mean, they had the stranger things mobile game yeah. that they put out on the app store, but what else could they possibly do? They also did a few years ago that interactive game film for Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, like they, it was a, it was an episode, right? Do you? It was like choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. So they could introduce more things like that potentially as well, and call it part of their game development of a more I mean, interactive. Yeah, use, I mean, because a, they have all those Netflix IPs they've created. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they could. They could be, if they wanted to, the next Telltale games. If they wanted to just be a mm-hmm. choose-your-own-path and make it just a point-clicking. I mean, if that's what their niche is going to be, I mean, that at least will help them, in the event, at least in the way. Because with Telltale, you know, they had a lot of the different IP, like Walking Dead, mm-hmm. Batman, uh, Borderlands, Game of Thrones. The problem was they demanded too much on those licenses and it became yeah. too expensive for them, and they eventually went under. Whereas in Netflix's case, they would have the advantage because they had all that IP. They yeah. don't have the license though. They could do it all internally and just hire the right people to bring it to play. So I guess that's – if you're thinking about it that way, that's probably the best way to do it um, for now at least because I just I just don't see any other way to do it um, <laughs> with what they have currently. Yeah. Because I did a little bit of uh, just quick Googling on Verdue, and some of the games he oversaw was like Plants vs. Zombies 2, The Sims Free Play, and the Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes mobile game. And so he's pretty entrenched in that kind of Apple Arcade mobile game area. So, I mean, it feels like that's probably the way they're going to go with it. But again, think of the games you just mentioned there free to play, yep. monetizable stuff that if you want to. It's paid to progress, basically. Yeah. So this is where my concern comes to play. Like, even if it is Apple Arcade, mm-hmm. are they going to double down? Yeah. On just a subscription that you potentially may be playing if it's like the Apple Arcade model. Mm-hmm. I can see why they're doing it though, because the streaming competition, especially post COVID, has become so much more cutthroat. Yeah. And with like all these companies creating their own streaming platforms, they're losing the licenses to so many things that you don't own. Because HBO and Warner Brothers are kind of keeping all their stuff on their platform. Disney's moving all of its stuff onto Hulu and its platforms. So Netflix is having to find a way to differentiate itself and build out its own IPs and take advantage of them. And it seems like it's a, it could be a good way to differentiate and really pull more people in if they do it well. But I don't know how successful even Apple Arcade is, but I haven't heard a ton about it. And it's not something I've dug too deeply into. Yeah, I mean, unless they're, I don't have numbers, but unless I heard this doing fairly well, which okay. is, which is, it does, but it does create the question of like, you know, are they just being, is Netflix just being the copycat where they just want to, mm-hmm. you know, grab that, grab that mighty dollar that everyone is grabbing here? I mean, they only just kind of broke even and start profitable just in the last few years. Just, you know, if, when you think about the first 15, 20 years or so where they were losing money because of, you know, first being a DVD company. DVD mm-hmm. rentals and then licensing all these shows finally and then spending billions of dollars on original content but so they can have something when the licenses do run out because as you said all the license holders are building their own platforms i yeah. mean 
I understand. I, I could see that being a way to dif help differentiate and help make up any kind of money loss when you have don't have those other licenses to stream their shows anymore. The challenge now comes when you go into a market where everybody is trying to do that. Yeah. And it just feels like the focus is going into that mobile area, like whether it's, you know, with the Apple Arcade, whether it's uh, Activision Blizzard, putting a lot of emphasis on Blizzard's properties going on mobile. I mean, there's a lot. I understand this is there's a lot of, obviously there's lots of phones out there. Everyone has a phone to, to do it. But at the same time, I worry about, the saturation means so much that they're like down below the curve that they can't, you know, come out of water. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it could definitely be a disruptor in both the streaming and kind of that mobile games industry if they approach it right. Yeah. Which would be interesting to see when you're going from Netflix and chill to gaming and chill as their new moniker. Yeah. I mean, if it, it, again, if, it, if they want to start off the telltale model, I would be, more than happy to do that. I mean, I mm -hmm. loved everything those guys made uh, from Walking Dead to Batman and everything. And it was just sad to see him go under. I yeah. mean, I'd be very curious to see beyond like Stranger Things and Black Mirror if they what they could do with something like Umbrella Academy, for example. Yeah. Uh, or Lock and Key. I could see maybe some of those episodic mm -hmm. approaches to doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, if I, if I were them, that's a model I'm go, go, probably going for. And I, I, I would want to keep cost at a minimum as much as I can because, you know, bring back those actors who knows how much expensive it'll get. Yeah. I guess if they want to start that way, then I could, then I could see this making sense. Mm -hmm. It will definitely be uh, something interesting there to keep an eye on. That is very true. So <clears throat> let's transition into E3 and uh, talk about some of the, the bigger disappointments that we felt um, in the the presentations this year. I would say probably one of my smaller ones that annoyed me was the Gearbox presentation. You call that a presentation? I <laughs> call it a presentation. <laughs> I wanted to see more games and less about their Borderlands movie. It felt more like a movie hype than an actual, like, here's some exciting stuff we have coming out. I mean, who who doesn't want to see Randy Pitchford going around making people like Eli Roth and Kevin Hart uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was, for what it was, it was enjoyable, but I just don't think E3 was necessarily the stage for it. No. I a, think lot, a lot of these shows, we'll probably get into those, didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. so. But yeah, Gearbox especially. Yeah. That I, just have a, I just have a general, like, creepiness vibe when it comes to Randy Pitchford with all the <laughs> stuff that's been going on with him, like the, the USB drive that got leaked with some of the yeah. more uncomfortable images. If you know my, if you catch my drift, mm -hmm. he just does not come up as like a stand up guy in my opinion. So like if he's on my screen, I know to divert to somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, borderlands is kind I understand it's probably their biggest franchise at gearbox at the moment. But it's also kind of one that feels like a risk to go the movie route with as well, because it is so over the top zany violence. Yeah. That it could be its own problem for them. I mean, what was the sales in the last game? You know? like, I, I don't feel like it was great. I feel like it started out okay, but it didn't really seem to, to hook people in like yeah. the first two did. Because you and I, you know, when I, when I visited over that last time, we, we tried to play that for yeah. a few days and. You know, I was like, all right, it's 
good, but it's, yeah. just, more, it's just more Borderlands. Like, I don't, yeah, it's you know. a lot more of the same, which I think is where the problem came in. Right. And there's only so much, I, I mean, I get looter shooters. I play Destiny a lot, but at the same mm -hmm. time, just this is the aesthetic behind this one just didn't grab me as much. So that's why I get it. It's not so, so much for me there, but I guess it's that big enough that it could justify a movie franchise. I mean, that's, yeah. this is where I'm, this is where I just don't know the numbers to really say. That is true. My other big disappointment was kind of Square Enix as a whole. <clears throat> You're not I a fan of Chaos? <laughs> <laughs> well, on the on the lesser side, I was hoping to see more Final Fantasy 16 because I'm curious to see what they're doing with that. They didn't I, do I, I, I doubted that one was coming there since Sony yeah. has got it for now. I didn't care about Avengers. I mean, it was fun for its first playthrough, but I haven't gone back since, and they still haven't really added anybody to make me go, hey, that might be fun to go try, like a Spider-Man or something like that. Like, it hasn't progressed to anything I really wanted, and I don't really care about their Guardians of the Galaxy RPG. See, it's funny, because, I mean, I, first of all, I'm a guy who's like, whatever they show at a show like this, if they, mm -hmm. like, first of all, give me the premise of the show and uh, give, of the game, and then do a good saw a deep dive into the gameplay yeah. then you at least have my interest for now and i felt like they did i mean they spent literally i would say probably the first 20 minutes just talking about guardians of the galaxy and granted yes there were there was some jankiness to that i, mm -hmm. I hope it was just a demo because it was like some of the gameplay when they were fighting seemed a little janky to me i don't know if that came that way across on other people's streams or yours um the only other thing I was disappointed with was that I was hoping we could play as all of them, and it looks like you're mm -hmm. only a Star Lord, and the others are just assists. Yeah. So that was I, my most disappointment. I I feel like for me, this is what I felt Avengers should have been. Like it should mm -hmm. not have been that cash grab, it, go into the end game and grind like crazy uh, just to unlock a single battle pass of a certain character and have to do it like five more times, which is what people complain about with Avengers. This was like just a straight up campaign-driven RPG, uh, action RPG. Mm -hmm. um, again, gameplay stuff aside, I hope they correct some of that jankiness and I hope it's just a stream. Yeah, It looks solid enough for me. I, I, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I know, I'll probably end up playing it, but I think I still might be a little tainted from how poorly they did in Avengers RPG. I mean, did you hate the campaign in Avengers? I didn't hate it, but it, it felt a little slow at points for me. I wanted a bit more RPG at times to kind of be able to like level myself up besides just going and grinding mobs. It kind of felt very kind of like that old school RPG. Of let me go kill 5,000 boars. So I'm strong enough to fight this one boss over here. I mean, um, were, you look, were, you, were you looking for something in the vein of like Spider-Man on the PlayStation or just like a Final Fantasy type of RPG? Like what RPG are you looking for? I was expecting more of like Avengers Final Fantasy style. Okay. Coming from Square Enix, kind of like that was more of where I wanted my head to go with it, of more of a story-driven RPG, kind of be able to build them out how you want to build them out as you kind of quest through the world. And a little less just kind of open world, go kill 800 iron bots to level yourself up enough to fight the boss that's blocking your way. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you're saying you want it to be more of an Ultimate Alliance. If yeah. Exactly. Okay. I would have been happy with more of an Ultimate Alliance on a more visual scale than what Ultimate Alliance was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, just, they could still do that. I think they yeah. just wanted to, I think Square Enix just took a look at 
games like Destiny and said, well, we can do that with Avengers. We'll have yeah. a never-ending story um, to do this so you can build it out and enjoy this universe. Whereas, like, yeah, really, at the end of the day, people just wanted that campaign, nothing else. Like, I, I had a fun time. I mean, I didn't finish the campaign. I think I only got about, like, 10, 15 hours in. But, but what I played, it was, it was a pretty good campaign. I just didn't care mm-hmm. for a lot of the grind uh, yeah. that come after it there. And, and that's where it was, too, is just that grindy aspect of it, even at times in the campaign, if you ventured off on like a side quest or something to try to get yourself stronger for the main quest, it felt very grindy just to get there to be to progress to the next stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would say that. I mean, that's yeah. A lot of people pretty much follow what we say that, mm-hmm. you know, it's what turned people off there. And, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to take with the black Panther, uh, DLC that's coming out and these couple other small ones yeah. that are coming before it there. Um, I'm sure it'll be just another, it'll be a case of like, I mean, just, I'm intrigued to see it enough because I like black Panther and they'll probably yeah. drop off like however long it takes to beat it. But yeah. guardians, but I mean, guardians, I mean, I, I think that's where, why I feel like guardians will kind of help with that because it is an mm-hmm. IP I like, and it's, it's got no big fluff behind it. It feels yeah. like it's going to be it's going to be solid and contained. And I think as long as they work out the jank in some of those gameplay segments uh, over time, we still got a little bit of time until October comes. I feel like it could be a solid buy. It could be. I could be wrong. I'd like to be wrong because I would love to have a good superhero RPG to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm still a little tainted from their Avengers run. I kind of like eh, go back to what you do, good guys. <laughs> That's a, that's a tall order. Yeah, but the biggest letdown for me was by far the Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy origin. Chaos! Yeah. I mean, it just... It missed on every level for me from the very idea of it being kind of like the guy from Ninja Gaiden designing a Final Fantasy game is just a terrible idea to me because they don't... Both those two styles to me just don't mesh in my head. Um... And it, it, I've never seen a more bland main character in my entire life. <laughs> like the characters look like kind of like that. This was my indie school project kind of feel. If I made generic bad A over here action star, and they didn't, and and he just kept going chaos. That was a meme. I loved it. Yeah, and I mean, he just he kind of looks like Final Fantasy Slim Shady. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> Like just a generic looking Eminem with a big sword. And I would I think, be totally down for Dark Souls, Dark Souls uh, hip hop rap battle. So. <laughs> but it just, it all just felt so not contrived, but just so like, I didn't understand why. Like they, they tried building hype with it, but I just, I couldn't figure out what it was. And everybody that's played the demo I've seen basically said it was completely unplayable. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, me, this is another example of trying to get to the pie that's been around for many years that from mm-hmm. software is done with the Dark Souls and the Bloodborns and the Sekiro's of the world. I mean, this is Team yeah. Ninja making this, which also created the Neo games, which is also like a Dark Souls-like game as well. Mm-hmm. I think they just looked at this and said, well, we we have the experience to do this. We, we're, we're close with the Final Fantasy IP. There's there's a lot of different things we could do with Final Fantasy IP to put those monsters in a Souls-like game. Yeah. Why not us do it, too? And part of me when I heard that leak was like, okay, it makes sense. 
Uh, but I mean, where you stick yourself out and stand yourself out from there, that's what you got to prove. And then the showcase happened and the less said, the better. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it felt very imitation of those other games of yeah. trying to be dark and broody. And like, there's this, I have to kill chaos. Well, it's funny because I mean, and we're going to get into our top, I know we're going to get to our top three trailers as well, but one of them on my list, which I won't mention yet like what they showed really wasn't different from what from software has done for all the games, but it's because of how they designed it that made it stand out. That's the thing. If you want to mm -hmm. emulate what these other franchises have done, that's fine. I, I worry. I want execution more than innovation. It's just the execution of whatever they tried to design just in this one trailer just did not work. Yeah. Cause I'm a big fan of having more than one, you need more than one Dark Souls for Dark Souls to keep being great because you need somebody to be pushing them. Right. Otherwise, you fall into the WoW problem of nobody pushed an MO against them and they got lazy and everything eventually falls off. So, I mean, I, I want these games to be great and I want them to be good to kind of push that genre forward and that style of game forwards because if you get a great Final Fantasy one, then you're going to get Dark Souls upping their game to be like, you thought that was a challenge, now come over here and try this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think what they could have done to really set it apart was keep the more traditional Final Fantasy fighting style. Keep it kind of more turn-based, tactical, but still go for that really hard-to-beat boss where it takes a lot more strategy and thinking and planning to do it. And I think having something like that would have given it a very unique hook that might let you overlook the fact that you're playing Slim Shady with a big sword. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, the, the, the challenge that I could see is that, well, then how is this any different than any other Final Fantasy game? Mm -hmm. so again, you could say, well, this is like Final Fantasy 14 or this is like 16 that's coming right. out. I guess they wanted to at least keep it standing out to not, especially with 16 not out yet. They wanted to make sure it's not taking away 16's thunder. Yeah. I just feel like there's other elements they could have pulled in from Final Fantasy to make it still feel and act like a Final Fantasy game mm -hmm. and less like a, a Dark Souls hack and slash type thing. Yeah. I mean, there's still an opportunity to do. I don't. I, the game's yeah. not scheduled to come out this year, is it? Or is it next year? Uh, I don't believe it's this year. I think it's next year it comes. It is right because all yeah, I remember was the, dem all I remember was the demo. Yeah, with the demo, and that did not bode well for them. So I mean, that's this. I mean, if it's not coming out this year, well, that this is going to be good feedback for them. I don't. And at least, if anything, do do what Final is known for, like the lore of its difference. Like I could see, like if you were to use your character to stand out amongst the souls like games have it be like the summoner. Mm -hmm. Like you can summon Shiva or Ifrit anytime or a certain time at points of the game, only in like a third person Dark Souls action like style of gameplay. I can yeah. see them doing if they did something like that against the Final Fantasy Monster Universe there, that could be a way to stand out. Yeah. I'd still would be curious that they, they need to flesh out the story better because obviously mm -hmm. the song was not really much. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're looking to answer the question of standing out, that could be one way of doing it. Yeah, because I think that's going to be their key there. If you're wanting to cross over into like that Dark Souls genre, is what makes you different than Dark Souls? Yeah, what's going to change it up from the the formula that they've been so successful with? Um. So before we get to the high points, any other other low points for you? Uh, well, Take Two had a fantastic Zoom call. I don't know if you heard about that one there, where uh, they were all sharing different aspects of the politics of gaming, which, uh, whereas I'm sure everyone else on the Take Two's call is like, when are you announcing GTA 6? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that was a, a 
at, at least Square showed gains. Take two couldn't even yeah. be bothered to like put something in one of the boxes and like the nine boxes that were covering their Zoom calls. So mm-hmm. that, that's let's not even talk about that. Um, yeah, I feel like that was a problem for E3 as a whole, which is going to have to become something that if this becomes the new norm of conventions going digital, that somebody's going to have to try to tackle is how do you bring back that interactive excitement that makes E3 what it was? Because a lot of E3's hype always came out of you could go there, you could play on it, you could be asking people questions as you're playing it in like their booths and stuff like that. And they tried to go interactive with it this year, but I haven't heard much love for kind of that portal they created. Most people kind of just watch the Twitch and YouTube streams and just based it on the panels and, and videos they saw. I mean, a lot of last year, I mean, obviously there wasn't an E3 last year because of COVID, mm-hmm. but like the, whenever someone did a presentation, at least some of the companies after they do, they would do what, you know, like Xbox Bethesda did. They would do a showcase <laughs> of all the games, just pop, 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 get them all out, show them what they look like. And then, you know, at least for some of the games that were scheduled to come out the year, they would use GeForce mm-hmm. to let you stream. Like people would get codes that are in the press to try yeah. out the games in lieu of not being able to be in the media center to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's basically the best you can do if you want to keep this interactive. Yeah. I don't know if that happened so much at this year's E3. I mean, there obviously were, we just talked about Origin. Like, there's if they will, if, if your best way at that point is to get a demo and play mm-hmm. it at that point there. But I don't know if they did anything specifically for media this year. Yeah, I hadn't heard or seen anything. Just it just felt like there was just a lot of a lot more drop-offs that I feel like may have gotten people more excited. They could have been more hands-on with it, where there seemed to be a lot more just trailers and like gameplay footage in a lot of the presentations. Yeah. I think we also I, I also give it I give the industry a pass this year because as much as we got really solid games and showings from like, especially with the launch of the PS5 and the Series X and S last year. Mm-hmm. We got to remember too, like COVID just started when yeah. all this stuff was ready to release. And that wasn't going to affect what came out in 2020 because those people, when they got those games out, they were already ready to get them out. So yeah. COVID was never going to have a big effect. The real effects of COVID would have come this year mm-hmm. because anything you got new or if you just started, you're pushing that out because people yeah had a long time period where they had to get adjusted from working from home. Uh, and with obviously, you know, we're in a better place now. We were last year, but COVID's still going on. Yeah, I kind of do give them a pass in a lot of stuff there. Even Xbox Bethesda for what it's worth. Like I still thought it was solid. I, I, mm. I think it was still a bit solid. Even if COVID wasn't around, uh, yeah. they did pretty good with it there with what they had. Like, but the industry in general is just, it, it was. It had. To, it was expected, and I. I saw a lot of people on Twitter like having these very high expectations of seeing the next gen games now. Now the consoles and I'm mm-hmm. out, and I'm like, they only just got the dev kits shortly yeah. before COVID happened. How do you expect them to really flesh these out more? I'm just grateful we have games to play as it is anyway. They're new, even if they aren't taking advantage of the new gen capabilities. So yeah. I'm not as hard on the industry as I am uh, as I would have thought it would be this year. I think next year will be you know, telling where I would imagine a lot of things will go back to in person again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the real story. Yeah, I just feel like Summer Game Fest did a bit better job at presenting upcoming things on how they kind of managed to do a good balance of trailer, gameplay, Q&A, commentary yeah. than, than a lot of the E3 panels did where they kind of seemed like they were, they couldn't quite figure out how to scale down from what they would normally do. Well, Jeff Keighley is ahead of the curve, too, because he's been doing the Game Awards for the last five years. So yeah. uh, he's adapted 
very well to how an online streaming event environment could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, just transferred it into a summer games fest. Yeah. So and I feel like Xbox did pretty well with that too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I feel like they were probably the best best of the, the ones I watched. <clears throat> so we're going to jump into what we liked, and I'm sure the Switch Pro was your favorite part of the entire thing with all those huge enhancements you're getting. I mean, dude, seriously, I mean, this 80-inch... I didn't. I had no idea the Switch could expand to 80 inches, and I could see Mario's nose hair. So. Exactly. I mean, so... <laughs> <clears throat> but we're going to go ahead here and watch some of our favorite trailers and talk about what has us excited about those games. So let's switch views. And go ahead. Oh, you got, first. You are first. Sweet. I got pulled in. This was the one, the Nintendo stream was the one stream I didn't get to stream on my channel. So mm-hmm. I kind of wish I did because when I saw this show up on my screen, I lift, got my, I lifted myself out of the chair while the headphones were still attached to me. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, connected. It, not, it was the, it was the pain I was worth it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm ex- this one looked awesome. I like that for whatever reason, they haven't messed with the Metroid formula that much. In any of their games, they've kept very much the kind of the side-scrolling type feel to it, and I like some of like the the small enhancements of adding like the stealth piece to it, and, and just little things like that to like add a bit more like tactical play than kind of just run and gun. And this is coming out, and we still got Metroid Prime Four coming mm-hmm. out soon too. So how freaking cool is that that we got these to alternate? Yeah. Um, but do I mean the wildest thing, man? I don't know if you read this, but Dread was a reference in Metroid Prime 3 back in 2000, 
and seven, I want to say. Huh. So this is something that's been they've been talking about because it's like that. This was like supposedly like an experiment, like the experiment of dread, which I guess is what you're going to discover with these robots. Yeah. That was supposed to be the next game in the 2D franchise. It was supposed to be the sequel to Fusion. And this game has been ruminating and building itself. Like people have been trying to build this game in Nintendo for, like they said, almost 19 years. So this game has been rumbling around in people's heads over there for almost two decades. It boggles my mind that. One that even they would it was taking so long, but that they still remember to do it and showed it at the mm-hmm. Secret Direct. That's that's the uh, amazing thing about this. And I like the continuity of it too. Like a lot of times Nintendo is not always known for its continuity in its game franchises. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome to kind of see that that this one is kind of keeping a pattern to it and kind of keeping things like hey, hey, we have a we have a history, we have a timeline, we're sticking to it. Cause I mean, I know Zelda it has a mess of a timeline to try to keep track of at times with like, yeah. well, then you have to split here for the kid when the adult's going this way and then they intersect back here again. And Oh, but wait, then Ocarina happened and then... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it is exciting to see continuity in the stories because even though it's not a huge story-driven game, there still is story to Metroid as you're playing through them and seeing kind of just the universe expansion a bit on it is a, a, cool, a cool bit there. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, no disrespect to the Prime franchise. I mean, I love all the Metroid Prime games, and I'm definitely still excited for 4 or whenever that comes out. But, mm-hmm. I mean, 2D Metroid, I mean, I must have beaten Super Metroid on Super Nintendo back in the day at least 10 times. <laughs> like, probably probably more, man. My, 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 my teenage years was obsessed with that game just because it was so much to explore in that world. Every little nook and cranny had some yeah. kind of lore it was trying to tell. Um and then they expanded that to Fusion. Mm-hmm. And I only got to play a little bit of the, the remake of uh, the first Game Boy game. It was Samus, uh, I think it was Metroid Samus Returns was the one that came out a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a remake. Uh, so this is okay. like the first real sequel to yeah. a Metroid 2D franchise. Um, but those games are just, just they, it was just so amazing what they were doing. And even where we are now, obviously we've got like, you know, indie studios doing homages to, 2D Metroids and mm-hmm. Metroidvanias all over the place, but yeah. I don't know. Just looking at that trailer, like you could, yeah, you could say it's it's maybe not doing much of the formula, but again, like the execution of it is what matters most. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit, there's enough in there, like with the parrying of the attacks you can do in here that mm-hmm. I think makes it stand out enough that it just makes me excited to go play this when it comes out in October. And that's always what I've loved about the Metroid and even like the Contra games is they're not complex to look at but they're still hard games that make you think like how am i going to tackle this this problem in the limited space i have to tackle it in yeah yeah sometimes it was design philosophy like they would they will they will hold your hand enough till you have to know exactly what to do like so when you Mm -hmm. finally get that upgrade oh well now i can go to this area this way um they're very good i mean they've been doing it for decades at this point and yeah. it's a try and true philosophy i mean it works for them and it's why they still stand out today so yeah i mean I'm, I'm totally down for it this is like this is just got me so excited to see mm-hmm. this again yeah no i'm excited it's going to be a good one the switch has had a lot of surprise games that i've really ended up loving more than i expected when i first got my switch oh yeah definitely because i was a little worried coming off of the the wii the wii u error of like all right what do you got, Nintendo? You're kind of falling off here. 
I think, they're, I think they're smart too because now they're not they don't have handheld anymore because that's basically the switch. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole selling platforms. Exactly. So now all their studios who used to support the DS and the 3DS and all their other handheld platforms now they can just all develop for Switch. Yeah. So I mean, it still worries me from a third party standpoint because they still will struggle to get that, especially being the underpowered system against yeah. the other two systems. But I mean, at least the first parties will know the tech enough to be able to take advantage of it. And yeah. with, with them now having the full breadth of all their first party studios, since there's no solo handhold, uh, unless yeah. you've got a Switch Lite. But anyway, it's all Switch at the yeah. end of the day. That, that, that's where it comes out. That's what's, that's what's really held them out compared to what happened to the Wii U. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. <clears throat> they, uh, I think the, I'm a little off topic here, but I think the Steam Station, whatever they're calling Steam Deck. It, Steam Deck, will help push the Switch to get its it's um become more of a power player for those third party games because I feel like they're gonna feel some of the heat there of the there's another choice that has a, a strong game library for them to go against. Yeah. I mean if the Switch Pro really does exist, I mean I don't know if it's was supposed to be this OLED that's coming yeah. out or if they still really are thinking of building like a 4K device for that. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, there's your there's your answer to do it. Yeah. Um, if they want to be in parity with these third party and indie games. I mean the yeah. indie games they never really had a problem because that's where, you know, that the model of like indie games went from like if you wanted to play indie, you play on a Switch. I yeah. don't think that's gonna go away anytime soon, uh, even with Steam that can play. Mm-hmm. No, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm excited. I'm hoping it forces Switch to up their game some. Because I'd like to see more third-party support and a stronger playing of third-party games that I want to take on the go with me. Because mm-hmm. I'm not not getting a deck anytime soon, um, just because of everything else I want to get in life. So, and I would like my Switch to be able to to give me some of that competition when I when I want it more. Well, mine broke, and I won't give Nintendo any more money. Like nah. their problem is always replacing Joy-Cons drifting. Sorry, got to replace it. That can't stream on TV anymore. Got to replace it. Like, no, I get your strategy, Nintendo, and it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> See, I haven't had any problems with my Switch or my wife's Switch. They both are working lovely still. I have one Joy-Con that I had to replace. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It's been good mm-hmm. since. But the dock, I'm like, you know, obviously I haven't had to travel because of COVID. But when yeah. that comes into play, that's primarily the only time I really play it. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. So let's jump into my first trailer that got me excited at E3. Let's do it. A lost ark is now but a myth. A relic from the half-remembered chain war. But now, our world has been torn once again. The demons have returned. With roaring destruction and waking nightmares. i 
tendencies Address me as your enemy So better say your majesty I might react you radically Before you win the fire Purify your I'm a sire My empire's on the rise A better find yourself A place that might be great If I'm a saint Why my name divine I'm aiming high Don't look in my face I'm So this one has me excited because it's an MMO and I am apparently an MMO junkie. <laughs> um, but this one's been around for a while, but it's been a Korean only title for the longest time. And growing up through WoW and everything like that, it was always kind of like a, if WoW took a dip or kind of the hipster WoW players would all be like, Lost Ark is the thing to play kind of thing. And they, but it's, was never like an official Western release. It was all still in Korean. So I never, anything I've ever seen of it, like I have no clue what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm excited that it's coming to the West now. And I'm excited because I mean, it's kind of like almost like a fantasy Diablo mashup of an MMO, which is almost what I wanted like Diablo three to be when they said they're going to be online only. That's kind of the, what everybody envisioned was more of like a, an MMO meets Diablo type feeling to it. And that's not what we got, but it has been the rumored kind of wow killer from the East that never really got traction in the West or attempted to be ported over. So I'm kind of excited to play it just cause it's all, it's been one of those games that's always been on my radar, but hasn't been something I've gotten to dive into because I didn't understand any of the cutscenes or the story or, or whatever was going on. So I'm kind of excited to finally get to play it and see, is the hype real? It was just kind of one of those things that was hyped because it was the cool thing and the only competition because of how huge the player base was in career that people thought it could be a wow killer. Yeah. When I first saw this on your list, I was like, first of all, this is definitely a Gary game. Yep. <laughs> I just knew right away it had to be in that top of the list because you are an MMO junkie for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I do have to say, too, yeah, I mean, I don't get to play these as much as I want, especially now. Today's with uh, working a kid and engulfing my life. But yeah. I did the thing that definitely did stand out to me to you was the Diablo style gameplay. Like most, most MMOs tend to really take its time to, to yeah. build and fight in there, whereas this one was like, oh, wow, this seems way more fast paced than I'm used to in an MMO. And then that's when it kind of dawned on me, oh, they're going for uh, the Diablo style, which yeah. is, is, is definitely a good way to stand out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm just excited to to play it. I'm hoping it lives up to the hype. I don't know when I'm going to add another MMO to my life because Final Fantasy XIV has me completely sucked in at the moment. Um, but it's definitely something that I want to at least start dabbling in and, and seeing what it has to offer when it comes out. Because hmm. hmm, that has me has me quite curious. This this game is like this game's been the moment since like 2014, I want to say. Is when yeah. I remember. And I mean, the interesting thing with the two is going to be is they have a ton of content they can just port over because they it's been going in Korea for years. Oh really? Oh wow. So you could just um start moving the expansions over. Let's see what we 
good. So has it really just been them about translating this to Western audiences? Is that what this has been about? Yeah, it had. This is the, they're kind of a re-release. Oh, okay. To the the Western. Because yeah, originally thought because this is being published by Amazon, right? Yeah. So I mean, my thought process is that because they had a game last year, Crucible, I think it was that didn't mm -hmm. do well, and they actually took it off the shelf for. But, you know, metaphorically speaking, um, it was a digital game. But my my thought process was that they wanted to take more time to develop this game here. But it turns out it's more just in publishing it than anything else. It sounds yeah, like more... it's been it's been it's been out since I believe I want to say 2015, 2016 ish. Okay, so it's been out there for a while, and it has a I think an expansion or two under its belt already there. Okay. So it has a, a, and it already, so it has an established fan base too. So you're, you're bringing something over that's not, which I think is smart for Amazon to have something that's always kind of had that fringe hype in the MMO community to then bring it to them instead of trying to start from scratch and, and build it up because that's hard to do in the MMO genre to really capture people because it's all about how you have for an MMO to work, you have to have people playing it. Right. Because nobody wants to play a dead MMO because it's all about look how far I've gotten compared to you kind of mentality of and sharing those experiences with people. So if you start a brand new MMO, it takes people a while to pick it up because they want to make sure it's going to make it. But then by them waiting to pick it up, you're also putting it in a death cycle. So yeah, it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy at that point of it failing. So having kind of that backing and that fringe kind of interest in it, I think will help them finally have something that might stick. I mean, does it advertise itself as like a lot of you can do a lot of stuff solo? Um, honestly, I I don't know that much about it because I've it's always just been a fringe thing. Okay. Um, I feel like it's a bit more in the in the vein of Warcraft than Final Fantasy fourteen when it comes to that, where it focuses more on. I think it has more story because it's it's definitely more of that JRPG type thing, but I think it is more focused on like dungeons and group content. Gotcha. I mean, I'm like most MMOs, they tend to do have that there. I just don't yeah. know if it was like primarily going to be a lot of solo stuff like Final Fantasy XIV does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's kind of Final Fantasy XIV's differentiator is it has the group content, but it's not as required as in other MMOs. So it would be interesting to see. And if it has good PvP, it's going to pick up a lot of people. Because right. that's been where fourteen has kind of failed is it hasn't picked up the PvP crowd because it's not great for PvP. Yeah. Well, different, different, different thing it's going for. I think they knew yeah. going into that PPP wasn't its thing. Yeah, but that's been where a lot of where Warcraft is kind of keeping its holds. It still does have PvP, even as awful as it is. It's still built better to work for PvP than than fourteen is. That's but it's going to be interesting to see because it's it's a good time, especially if it does make the fall release of twenty twenty one, because WoW's next expansion isn't going to come out until probably earliest december january if they can get their act together because they haven't mm -hmm. even fully announced the next expansion yet and everybody kind of feels like 9.2 is gonna be the last patch for it because of how long it took them to get their first patch out so it's prime time with a bunch of disgruntled mmo people to kind of put one on the market that people are going to want to try yeah well and covid too probably yep. maybe pushing that a little bit too but yeah your point still stands but so it'll be interesting to see see where that goes. So let's uh see what you had on next here. Ah, I know this one. 
<laughs> do you? I did. I was going back and forth on if this was going to make my list or not. The tarnished will soon return. Guided by grace once lost. The Golden Order is broken to its core. The token vibe. <laughs> Wondering to bind us and take our money. <laughs> Foul tarnished. In search of the Elden Ring. Emboldened by the flame of ambition. Jumping vertically, come on! Yeah. <laughs> you get more height than that. And this part. Yeah. Wait, wait right there it is. Good lord. <laughs> this new dragon. A champion or a lord to be born. I thought at first when I saw this, like I totally went Lord of the Rings on my initial, like the beginning part. And I totally thought like, ah, oh, that's kind of a cool concept. Playing is one of those, like, um, what are they called from the first, the ghostly things that are drawn to the ring. Oh, the Nazgul. Yeah. Nazgul. Like that was my head first. one. was like, oh, you're basically playing as a Nazgul. Um, but I really liked it as it went on. Cause it, it definitely has that Eldric Lovecraftian horror vibe to it, which I am a big fan of. Yeah. It really feels like they're taking all the elements of Dark Souls and Bloodborne and mm -hmm. birthed this. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I would imagine they will probably make the gameplay a little bit like Sekiro, where it's mm -hmm. it's going to have the hard vibe as typical from software games can be. But I feel like they're just going to just mush it all together and and come out like this and be kind of the the epic Elden Ring uh, adventure that's excuse me that's going to be. Yeah. 
No, it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, very kind of action RPG, Dark Souls type feel to it. Um, I've actually known about this game for a while because it was on our radar when I was working for the game studio. Oh, really? Oh, it just fell into the same kind of genre that we were we were building in towards. Very different styles of games, but it was kind of on the radar of another studio working on a similar project that we kept an eye on. Um, I love their approach to it. I kind of like the King Arthur meets Lovecraft type feel of it. Yeah. It'll be... And it definitely looks like it's going to go very much that Dark Souls, big bad monsters, hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is where we were... You know, making the point earlier about uh, Final Fantasy Origin and the game mm -hmm. I couldn't mention because we were going to get to it now. Yep. Whereas, like, you look at that game, I mean, yeah, it's if anything you could accuse it of being of being just more of the same because it's really, it really is not, it doesn't seem mm -hmm. to be pushing the graphical envelope. Like, but this is more based on it's never really done that anyway. It's really more just the design of yeah. the world, the monsters, and the lore. And that's been from software's bread and butter for like the last almost 10 years now with the games they've been putting out. You yeah. can forgive all that when you look at the kind of the lore and world that they create mm -hmm. all the time. And that's what really matters the most here. And that's where Final Fantasy Origin, as we were speaking to earlier, really couldn't stand out in that. Or at least they didn't, or at least they didn't attempt to show it. Maybe yeah. it's in there and they just didn't show it in marketing for some reason. But I mean, you had your chance to do it and you didn't do it. This yeah. one did. And that's why Elden Ring was just high up on my list because of that. Yeah, no, it, it pulls you in. It's it's captivating. You want to know more. Like, what is a tarnished? What are you pretending to be? Like, are you trying to like ascend to be like that creepy dude with eight hundred hands coming out of his horse? Yeah, like, is that our goal? Is like, is that our final form in the game? Kind of thing. I mean, if the goal is to get a like a wolf on your arm that shoots flames in the air, then yeah, I'm I totally get an Elden Ring for that. Yeah, that <laughs> it, it asks. I like that it, it kind of tells you a story, but it ends up leaving with more questions that you want to know about. Yeah, like, well, it it's gives the show you story, but not enough to be like this is what's happening. It's the show and tell model, basically. Yeah. Like, like, so, like, recently, uh, my Twitch stream, I went through both Little Nightmares games, mm -hmm. and it's exactly like that. Obviously, much different graphical art style because those are yeah. these are indie games, but there was no dialogue. There was nothing of like a story, like actually being told to you you had to as you progress through the levels you had to guess and build the story in your own mind to yeah. figure out what's going on and i feel like that this game and every other game that these guys have done from dark souls to bloodborne and beyond that's pretty much been how they do it and that's why beyond just the you know the challenge factor that people love playing these games here i think that's another reason why people are drawn to these kind of worlds yeah because they give you enough framework to understand what kind of worlds you're playing in but then it's kind of up to you to do like the the exploring to find like the journals and different things like that and then dig into the lore on your own if you want to or you can just do super challenging gameplay with some structure to it compared to just kind of being the goal of kill chaos <laughs> and maybe that's the meta point that's that's the meta part of elder ring is that chaos actually transfers between both games <laughs> and you have to see which one you want to beat the most i don't yeah. know <laughs> no i'm excited for this man here i mean open world dark souls i mean i can't go wrong with that i mean i, I presume that's why the horse exists in the mm -hmm. game so you can traverse quicker like that um yeah i mean my only thing will be like 
I mean, you you saw it in the beginning there. It's from software and George R.R. R. Martin presents yeah. this game here. I do question how much George R.R. R. Martin was actually involved. I feel like he was probably more than just a consultant. Yeah. Uh, he was like, here are some bits and things you could use to build the world. And yeah, you give me my check and I got to go. So. Yeah. I feel like he was more of just the make sure your dragons come sooner than the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, make, make, take all this and, and finish the story because I still got Game of Thrones to finish. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely feel like it was more of the framework for probably some of the world building than anything else that he'd be a part of. And maybe some of the, just like the overarching, like here's the legend of it to give you that context and then go from there. But I'm excited to see what it does. I think it's definitely going to be an interesting one to to dive into. Yep, and, and January. That's not that's not terribly far. I was, yeah, I was actually no, surprised. That... I was surprised because the game got announced at E3 2019. Um, I don't know how long they were building on before that, but it feels pretty soon. I mean, I hope. I mean, these guys are master crafters, so yeah. who am I to doubt if they feel like they're going to hit a certain date? Would not surprise me if it pushes a little bit into the spring as opposed to January, but still, I mean, getting out of yeah. 2022 in general is a pretty, there's no small feat. So, yeah. who these guys, if it comes out, I'm definitely there to play at day one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they probably have for this type of game a lot of assets that they could build on top of as far as like their rigging and stuff goes. That probably saves them a lot of time since they kind of build these similar but unique games. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's definitely a lot of reusable assets, which works in their favor. I mean, I want to see a From Software Bible. Of <laughs> like those art concept books that come out there. I mean, yeah. they, they must have some crazy, even crazier ideas than what we've seen in the game so far. I would love to see what got in the cutting floor. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to see. All right. My second one. This one was definitely an indie one that excited me. Totally played the nice steampunk look of everything steampunk. It fits you well.
So, I mean, the early access is already out, which is on my list of things to get. I was going <laughs> to say, because I a couple of Twitch streamers I watch, I think they started playing it that day and came out. And mm -hmm. once I saw the day, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I remember them playing it on date. So. But, I mean, it's steampunk with some, like, Lovecrafty and Eldritch Horror feel to it. Very kind of, like, Constra Metal Slugs with some RPG elements. It just it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to see. I want an airship. Who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I when I watched this trailer beforehand, I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh, interesting." Like, you know, first of all, like I said, I mean, I think I saw people play this. I was like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, I had some of those same vibes of like Metal Slug, yeah, as well," which is like a huge arcade game for me back in the day. I yep. love playing it so much. So I was like, and to introduce strategy elements to this, yeah, this is pretty good. This is this. I can see this working. I, I definitely for you being a huge steampunk fan, this is probably just ten times more, but. Yeah, yeah. Like the strategy elements of this seem very intriguing. Yeah, I'm definitely curious about this one. And it's one of the things on my list to get on Steam when I have more time to play a bit and, and do some videos around. But it, it when I saw it, I was like, oh, this, is, <laughs> this is made for me. He had to be resuscitated, yes. said the narrator. It was exciting. So I was like, that is, that's all my jams in one. There's RPG elements, there's steampunk, there's big monsters coming out of the sky. Give it to me. <laughs> well, I mean, you can do it now since it's in uh, early access. Yeah, now it's just finding time to play everything that I want. Yeah. I know you had to be a Final Fantasy fourteen fan. That's your problem. Yep, that's what's happened. But I can see. I mean, I, I like where it's going there. I mean, it seems to have enough variety with you know mm -hmm. going to different worlds in the air, and I, it looks like you got to fight some alien invasion. I don't know if it was like coming from a dimension or mm -hmm. up in the sky or something there, but yeah. I mean, I wonder if they'll introduce you to different worlds yeah i, I don't know it felt very old god lovecraftian at times with kind of how they they portrayed the portals and stuff like that mm -hmm. no i'm just, i'm excited for it it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun <clears throat> so cool. your number one pick is up next We begin by hearing an old, wise-sounding voice. I love this trailer. <laughs> we see a quiet, peaceful setting. Like this this will make our so game well. seem big and important. Now, something must break the serenity. Will this creature be in the game? No. Say goodbye to it forever. Suddenly, and for no reason, people running. These pointless slow-motion shots make everything seem cool and should bolster pre-sale numbers. <laughs> that wah sound can mean only one thing. We must gaze over an epic shot of a world and there should be lens flares. <laughs> now we see our hero. But only their silhouette, because the developers haven't finished the design. Or finished the story. Or finished any gameplay that's actually ready to show. In fact, the only thing they have finished... ...is the title. Unbelievable. How is that not number one in anybody's list? I don't know what's wrong with people. <laughs> no. 
No, I I love seeing that trailer. I was dying the first time I saw it because it's just it it points out everything that like every game company does. Yep, especially around this time. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's there's nothing there to see. They even admitted themselves in the trailer. Yeah. Nothing to show. There's not even a protagonist or gameplay. Yeah. But it's like it's coming. That's, it's coming. That's. That's all you got to worry about, guys. Don't worry. After we finish our five other games, because that's what Obsidian's doing right now. They got five projects they're working on. God, God bless you guys. I mean, if there's anyone who could do it, it's Obsidian. I'm a huge fan yeah. of their games from Pillars of Eternity to Tyranny and so on. But uh, God, the trailer is just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the first one was amazing. With uh... yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't finish it, but the first few hours, I was like, yeah, this is a, a with with enough. Money and time, they can like make this into a masterpiece. Like it was just this close to like perfection for me. It's just like felt mm-hmm. like that, you know, the game, the first Battle Worlds was a little like janky in like the shooting elements of it. Yeah, really, you played that game for the story and the choices. Yeah, so, I mean, you could technically almost play the whole game without shooting if you wanted to. You could, yeah. You don't have to kill everybody. You can just do all the choices. Yeah, and that was that. I think that's the cool part is it. It, it was a massive world, and you felt like every choice you made mattered. Yeah, because it would shift something somewhere down the line that you suddenly be like, "Oh crap! I shouldn't have screwed those guys over." Yeah, yeah, it, it was weaved. It was weaved uh, so well. Like you, it would, sometimes repercussion would be right away. Sometimes mm-hmm. it would be like ten hours later. Yeah, uh, it was like they Obsidian script for that game was so tight. Mm-hmm. And why should I be surprised from the guys who make Pillars of Eternity, which is so heralded? Uh, yeah. they, these guys are veterans at the stuff. I should never doubt them when it comes to the things. It. Was that kind of like choice impact I always wanted for Mass Effect, but never quite got? Mm-hmm. In kind of that sci-fi setting where it was just like you felt like your choices actually mattered, which is what makes it such a cool, cool game in my opinion to play. Is you feel like everything you do actually impacts the story? Yeah, I mean Mass Effect. I mean there were you had some of that there. I mean they yeah. just had they got caught on themselves in the fact that you had to do over three games. And yeah. I don't think anyone was going to be happy at the end of the day with how it ended. Whereas, you know, this is one and done and mm-hmm. you could control it in such a way that, um, yeah, maybe if you, maybe you're disappointed in some of the decisions you made, but you also realize it's your fault. If yeah. you did it. It's not the developer's fault. It's your fault. Now it'd be interesting if they took the mass effect approach to this and however, whatever shape you left the world in, in outer worlds one is where you have to start in this one. Mm. That could be interesting. Load your save data, and if you made a mess of the world but managed to complete it, now you're starting from scratch in the mess of the universe you created. Or if you had a more peaceful universe by the end of it, you're starting out in maybe a slightly better position before you could cause havoc. It's a nice, interesting thing. I could see them doing that, master that a little bit better on Bioware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. but- on the topic of Bioware, there is a Mass Effect 4 coming out now. Yeah, and you're... Hopefully fix the Andromeda and Mass Effect 3 issues. You're going to wait a while for that, just yeah. so you're aware. Just so... Oh, I know. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they could take some lessons from these other sci-fi games that have come out since then. They've been a lot better. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. To me, they could try. I mean, for, for all of Andromeda's faults, there. I mean, it was a pretty tightly played game. Like, I had no problem. I had no problems playing the game. It's just the yeah. story was boring as hell. Um, if they can like 
get on that and do this regularly with Mass Effect 4, then sure, we're, we're all set. Yeah, um, It's just hard to really see that now with failing Andromeda and failing Anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, even the reboot of Anthem not getting out too, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I think really the telling point is going to be this next, next Dragon Age game. Yeah, like if they could nail that. I mean, I've never been the biggest Dragon Age fan, mostly because I'm more sci-fi than fantasy. But I still mm-hmm. like some of the Dragon Age stuff. If they, if the real telling of that is going to be how well Dragon Age does. If the Dragon Age story does well, I feel like the Mass Effect sequel will probably do well too. Yeah, my problem with the Dragon Age has just always been they came out too close to an Elder Scrolls game. I felt like mm-hmm. I'm always going to go Elder Scrolls first. So either there was an Elder Scrolls game I was still in the middle of, or I just finished, so I didn't want to go for a rinse and repeat kind of feeling. True. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's hard, especially when game like Skyrim is blessed as long as it has. Since, yeah. You know, and six who knows when six is coming out. I mean, it's it's I mean the changing the changing of the guard happens there. I mean, Bioware yeah. is not the same company that I recognized when I was playing games like Knights of the Old Republic or Jade mm-hmm. Empire, for example. Uh, a lot of those people have been long gone for a while. Um I mean, I would say at this point a lot of the a lot of the Western RPG stuff that can do that stuff is sitting in the Xbox brand with yeah. people like Obsidian and Bethesda. There's even been rumors uh, that at some point that once like uh, Obsidian is finishing this Avowed game that they're working on right now that's coming out first, they, there's been rumors that they potentially may take over the Fallout franchise. I mean, that which, would be a yeah. smart thing to do. I mean, people have heralded New Vegas so much from Fallout, yeah. so and the Obsidian guy's doing that there, so it wouldn't make sense to me too. And that's the interesting thing, too, is how you have, like, the Obsidians that have managed to kind of keep their core while being part of these bigger companies. And then you have companies like BioWare and Blizzard and and other ones that just fell apart the second they got purchased and suddenly couldn't produce a good game if their life depended on it. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. I've, I've always kind of wondered about that. It's like, what makes this studio able to survive and stick to what made them great? And these other ones just completely fall apart as soon as the they get invested in or bought up by these bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, time's going to tell with, uh, with Microsoft. I mean, they yeah. right now are saying they're hands off with mm-hmm. all these companies they're doing here. So they're going to let them do their thing. And, yeah. But we know how, we know how corporate America works out there. Things can change on a dime very quickly. Uh, yeah. Things don't go a certain way here. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, with you know, to go back to Bioware, not to spend too much time on talking. I mean, we always like to make fun of EA mm-hmm. for all the things they do, and rightfully so. They they screw up all they screwed up a lot between their you know, the way they handle loot boxes, microtransactions, and how they handled the Star Wars license, for example. But I mean, I I, I don't disagree with them the way they canceled that Anthem reboots because I don't yeah. think there really was not a great plan with that as well. And Bioware, like I said, just as they've lost too many people to really keep that magic going, like they were doing with the Mass Effect and Dragon Age franchise. Like I think EA has been making right calls about doing some of these things to Bioware. And it's just going to be a shame. Like if they don't nail these Dragon Age and Mass Effect sequels out of the park over the next three to four years, then I kind of fear, but I also kind of understand EA doing something about it. Yeah. There won't be much of a Bioware left after that. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I kind of always, that's just something with Obsidian that I always think about is like, how have you not lost the magic yet after getting bought up like these other ones have? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same guys for me too. Like these yeah. guys, supposedly the same team has been together for like over 20 years. Is what yeah. I understand. So, I mean, it's always going to come down to your team's 
um, relationship and how yeah. your creativity is. And I think that's one of the reasons why people have loved them for so long. And hopefully, as we said, Microsoft will just let them do their thing and just be kind of that pipeline mm-hmm. to get resources and just let Obsidian be Obsidian. Yeah. And I think the true test will be when things, when they do have a misstep, because you can't be perfect every time out. And that seems to be where things start going bad is when you hit that first misstep and then your corporate sponsor comes swooping in to save the day. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also Microsoft's on a different playing field too, because they're mm-hmm. out to really build game pass yeah. or anything else. So they're, even if things don't really become successful uh, at the beyond and the onset, it still gives them cat. It still gives them fodder for their, yeah, and like they can like keep pushing content on it, and they can keep keep it flowing on Game Pass too. There, so they'll still mm-hmm. they'll still be incentive to say, well, maybe this really this game didn't really live out the way I want it to be, but at least I didn't have to pay seventy dollars for it. Yeah, no, that's true, and that def- that does I think lessen some of the blow for the Microsoft model as well when you're not having to pay full price to get it every time. Yeah, take some of that sting out. Exactly. I mean, I was excited for this game here. I mean, again, there, yeah. there was nothing to show, like, but I think we're it really at the end of the day, we know it's going to be just more out of worlds, just yep. more refined, more tuned. We'll obviously see that as they start developing this more. But I mm-hmm. mean, I, I love what I saw. Just the end of the obviously the meta commentary is what sold yep. it more than anything else. Going that Deadpool ride almost with it. Yep. All right. And speaking of the game pass, is actually a good segue into my my number one pick here. Because that's how I actually got sucked into this franchise was because I could get the a handful of them free on Game Pass. Let's do it. I've become quite the JRPG fan if you haven't noticed. I couldn't have guessed that with you. <laughs> Pretty fancy place they got here. Harmony and coexistence between the Renans and the Danans. I'm Dohilim Ilkaris. Should you need my skills on the battlefield, all I care for is maintaining peace. I'm Captain Kisara of the Elder Menencia Guard. Ha! Flare the Malisha! From now on, when I fight, I fight to protect my dream. Well, this crew just gets bigger and bigger. The Renans. Seems the rumors you were running with them were true. Looking for you. Bullock, get the hell out of my realm! This is Tannen's realm and it's ours, understand? Is it over? It's only just begun. Pretty cool. Yeah, so I got into the Tales of series when a bunch of them came on, or a couple of them came on Game Pass, and I started playing them at night. So I was like, this is fun. I'm liking this. And I've been digging deeper into it and, and playing some of them on the side and stuff before 14 decided to suck my life away. <laughs> but I've enjoyed every game in the series I've played so far, and I'm kind of excited to get to play one at launch versus kind of finding it years later. Hmm. 
And I've really kind of gotten sucked into the kind of the JRPG play style of these types of games in between 14. And then I found uh, I've gotten hooked on a couple of them on the Switch and stuff like that and and things. So it, it's been an interesting journey kind of moving away from the more Morrowind Elder Scrolls type games into more JRPGs with the Litmer story, kind of more of like the team combat elements and things like that. I have not played a Tales game since probably Tales of Symphonia from the GameCube <laughs> is, is where we're dating ourselves here. I think that was probably like 2003, I want to say, 2004 yeah, that came out. That. So we're talking like 15 years here or so. Um, okay. That's that's amazing to me that this franchise has been going on as long as it has. I don't know how many games have come out since I played that one. I'm sure a lot, uh, especially in Japan, I'm sure, but just seeing that trailer again show up at summer games fest i was like man this is like this is a good throwback i remember loving this game back on the gamecube yeah because i believe it's the franchise started go go google maybe in 1995 on the super famicom wow so it didn't even make it the super nes yeah Wow. It started in 1995 on that, and then it first showed up in like 2006 on the Game Boy Advance in the States. Huh. And so we're talking 25 years here. Well, actually, that one got ported over. There was one on the PlayStation in 1997, too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I, I always associated being a PlayStation franchise, and I was surprised it yeah. came in GameCube with Symphonia. Uh, I didn't realize Super Famicom was dating it back that far. Yeah, that's where it started. And then Tales of Symphonia was the first 3D entry in the in the in the series actually. Oh interesting. Okay. Everything before that was all 2D stuff. Oh so that's okay. Symphonia was the first 3D one. That's interesting. Yep. Didn't even know that. Huh. That's what Wikipedia tells me and Wikipedia is never wrong. Yeah well if it's on the internet it's true. It's exactly so, <laughs> Yeah I mean I I mean yeah I mean I I mean, personally, me, I mean, I, I definitely see this being a game for you two there. I mean, I definitely would. I put it up there as well, too. I'm probably somewhere in the list. It's just, you know, a lot of other games there in the list just would put me more in the top three than this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I just remember, I mean, it seems like it has a lot of those aesthetics that I remember from Symphonia, like um, very, very basic JRPG-like, but yep. more on the uh, action front than the turn-based front, which is good. Yeah. You know, I think that's... Really started to evolve more when Final Fantasy twelve came out, so they kind of like evolved that through all the other JRPGs that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's, um, you know, at least from like story based standpoint, it seems to be really going darker uh, yeah. in, in its in its in its direction. There, I mean, again, I, I we're talking like fifteen year difference since the last time I played the Tales game, so I don't know yeah. in between what if they if it ever did become dark at some point. But at least from that one, I was like, wow, this, the evolution of this is pretty fascinating. Yeah, to see where it is today. No, it's been an interesting evolution just to start digging into it and getting into it and and just seeing, um just kind of the different elements start to come together from the other ones I've played. And, and I, I've come to really like the art style because it stands out of being very unique compared to, to other games too. Yeah. I mean, my one fear of that franchise is like, if it's going to get too much of a comparison to Genshin Impact, which, mm -hmm. you know, has exploded in the popularity last year because of it's more because of it's more because of it's free to play model, but because of the, a lot of the, the, the anime 
uh, tendencies yeah. of the way it's built there. I wonder if it'll run into that a little bit more, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that impact, because, you know, Genshin Impact, like, really blew up at the end yeah. of last year, and I just, I wonder if people will be, I wonder if people will wonder and actually be able to try that, mm-hmm. uh, knowing, long, like, some of the, like, long-lasting content value that uh, Genshin Impact is currently giving players today. I actually just downloaded that on my phone to do some reviews on it. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I actually didn't even know it was on the phone. That's interesting. I just added it yesterday to, to start doing a little bit of just exploring in it to, to do a review on it down the road and, and get my feet wet in that world. Nice. In all my downtime that I have in life. Yeah, in my need to make content constantly. <laughs> Sleep is great when you're dead. That's all, that's all you need to worry about. Yeah. Just got to get the wife on board with that plan. She's probably not. My wife nope. isn't, nope. so don't worry. <laughs> I don't see her being a big fan of me. Just sitting next to her in bed playing that while she's trying to sleep. One more hour. One more. And I'll okay. be done, I promise, babe. I just got to level up one more time. Yeah. You get the cat off the bed, I have to stick my feet out. Yep. <laughs> just play this the right way. Get one of those gaming controllers for my iPhone to plug it into. Oh, I've been doing it ever since I discovered xCloud, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but so those are my top three picks. Um, I'm excited for them. A lot of good games coming out as well. A lot that kind of came out of E3 of like, eh, it has potential, but wait and see on them. Yeah, again, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, I for what it was, being a virtual convention because of COVID and the fact that COVID really put pushed a lot of people to adjust differently. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know so even there's a lot of studios who like literally had to take like six to eight months to adjust. Yeah. To working at home there so there's a lot of time you're losing development wise and design wise when you're doing that time so that's why just the fact that we're seeing as it is that the stuff we got um is amazing but that's the thing but the other thing too is that a lot of the stuff you saw there yes yeah, some of it's 2021 but there's a ton of that stuff coming out in 2022 so next yeah. year look that look the hell out yeah. <laughs> it is going to be a wild year next year with releases yeah because I, I feel like next year is going to be big because it's going to be a lot of studios trying to make their money back for what they lost in 2020. Because a lot yeah. of I feel like their plans got pushed off a year or two and now they're going to be getting out what they can in 2021 and then 2022 will be the let's make our money back year. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I know it's, a, it's like I said, there's standouts that even just the top mm-hmm. three. I mean, I can talk about so yeah. many others that really call my radar. I mean, obviously don't have too much time to do it, but like, you know, games like Redfall really mm-hmm. stood out to me from Arcane. Like, I mean, I was, no yeah. gameplay, but just anything Arcane does, I'm a fan of what they did with games like Prey and Dishonored. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely on board to seeing what this co-op vampire shooter is going to be. Yeah, um, it looked interesting because it, it looked like almost like a co-op Overwatch PvE type game. Yeah, I mean, first people were wondering at first if it was going on the Left 4 Dead bandwagon because we're getting like Back for Blood later this year. Uh, so yeah. it seems like Left 4 Dead guy has got like this big comeback of late. But I didn't kind of, I, I felt like you it was kind of going to be similar, a little similar to that, but more of the Overwatch yeah. uh, aesthetic. I so, think it has more of the dark elements of like the Left 4 Dead, but it's going to have more of that like team based power up. Yeah. Kind of yeah. the PVE side of very much what Overwatch 2 is probably going to be. Probably. Most likely, yeah. But I mean, there's so many standouts from like that. I, I could have easily put up there too. Games like yeah. The Place, games like Stalker 2, mm-hmm. um, you know, Battlefield 2042, for example. I mean, Stalker I mean, 3 does have me worried. Stalker 2 has you worried? Yeah. They were, it seemed like they're going a lot more gunplay heavy on it. 
than the first one, which I feel like was kind of what set it apart was it wasn't just a run and gunner shooter type game. Maybe. I mean, maybe part of that's because they want to show off the new next gen yeah. tech. But I mean, there were some elements there, like you saw them like throwing the, the screws into the. Yeah, they had some elements there. I'm just hoping yeah. that it's. That this was just more of a hype trailer for the like the the new engine and cool shots and stuff like that, than yeah. how the game is going to be the majority of. Yeah, yeah. Well, the game's not out to April, so there's plenty yeah. of time to show some different things if it's in, if it's in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I like I said for for what it was this year, given the limitations, like I, you know, at least from Xbox Bethesda, they definitely mm -hmm. they definitely gave a, I gave a thumbs up to them for sure. No, and some of Summer Games Fest, like some a lot of that stuff we showed with Summer Games Fest too. He did, Keely did a pretty good job of showcasing some of that stuff too. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what the game industry does post COVID, where things go, especially with Netflix adding their arcade type thing potentially, and, and Game Pass kind of becoming Microsoft's business model. And it's going to be interesting to see how PlayStation, Nintendo answer those type things because Game Pass is such a good deal right now, and most of this probably going to end up on Game Pass. It's just going to bolster the strength of that. Yeah. I mean, if Netflix wants to be in Game Pass, I mean, EA's got EA Play on Game Pass. I'm totally yeah. on board for that. It'll definitely save on subscription money, that's for sure. So, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see uh, where all that goes. But we are hitting kind of our time cap here. So before we sign off, just want to thank uh, Shelburne, Donkey Trousers, and He He Lol for uh, giving the, the channel a follow during the podcast here. So welcome to the Epic family to you three, and uh, thanks for clicking that icon over on Twitch. <clears throat> I'm sure I'll get many hassles from Shelburne like you do in your stream. Oh, I can pretty much guarantee it. So best of luck to you. <laughs> yep. But uh, welcome to the Epic family, guys, and... Thank you, Tim, for uh, hanging out and talking video games for a bit with me. No problem. It's good to be back, man. I miss the stuff. Yeah, it's fun to have the conversations. And once I catch up on Loki, we can do uh, MCU thoughts on that and where things are going. We've got to get it soon, man, because What If is around the corner, and I'm so excited for it. Yep. And I'm told I need to get to this last Loki episode because it pretty much just sets the stage for everything to come in the MCU. Yes. I'm, that's all I'm going to say because you have not seen yep. it. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> I know. Well, we've had a niece staying with us, and so we've had to stick to our, our TV time has been more things geared towards a younger crowd than what we'd normally be watching. Oh, that's what you just explained them, you know, the aspects of comics and multiverses and all that fun stuff, you know? Yeah, that'll go over well. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm hoping to catch up on that, and then we can dive in and, and talk that and talk MCU in the near future. Cool. But uh, and that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Be sure to give Video Game Fury a follow if you haven't, and check out his streams. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here and head on out. Sweet. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a great evening. <laughs>